Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, And I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. The Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. And the 2019 Offense Rookie of the Year is... Calamar. This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. Jackson takes it himself. Looking dark back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. He is Houdini. Touchdown. Patrick Mahomes with a rope. Chiefs are Super Bowl champions here in Miami. All right, guys, welcome back to the Establish the Past podcast presented by Clutch Points and our friends at Bet Online. I am your host, Blake Lovell. With me is my co-host, Stone Reagan, and we are back for another exciting adventure into the Burning Question series for every single team in the NFL. We've made our way to the NFC South, which uh, for our longtime listeners, you will note that uh, we saved the best for last uh, with the AFC South, uh, as that is our brand here on the show, and we'll get to them in our next episode. Uh, but Dylan, we, we start here with the NFC South, uh, one of the final couple uh, you know divisions we're going to wrap up with in this series. The timing, um, I guess you could say, is interesting, considering uh, what's going on with the New Orleans Saints. We certainly didn't plan it this way, uh, but uh, we will talk about the Saints here in a bit. We'll bring up some of the things that are going on with them, but that is not a question related <laughs> to that. But uh, overall, you know, with this division, it looks a whole lot different than it did last season when it comes to uh, the Panthers overhaul, the Bucks overhaul on offense, uh, with Tom Brady coming and joining the mix. Um, so this could, I think several years ago, we looked at this, at this division and thought this could be, mm-hmm. you know, the most competitive in the NFL. I don't necessarily know that it gets back there in terms of all four teams, but you know, if one team in particular joins the two teams that seem to be the favorites, uh, could very well get back to maybe being that co- or that division uh, that we look at with some really, really good games between these teams. Yeah, just given the expectations we've had for some of these teams and how they've failed to meet them outside of the Saints for the past few seasons, yeah, you could reasonably expect all three of the, the other teams, the Carolina, 
Tampa Bay and Atlanta to have better seasons, even if the records don't necessarily reflect that, at least for Tampa Bay, you'd hope there's a lot of uh, pretty high expectations we'll touch on. But for the uh, Panthers, I mean, uh, yeah, obviously a new era, and we'll get into them pretty quickly. But then the Falcons are a team that we've, if you also have listened to us for a while, we consistently are disappointed by <laughs> the results that they've had. And, you know, obviously it's not the same team and the same roster and the same coaching staff even uh, that when they got to the Super Bowl not that many years ago. But uh, despite that, it's still surprising when you look at the numbers and you think about the talent and just even if they, you know, we kind of talked about it beforehand, even if they weren't getting to the postseason, you just, you know, we'll get into it quickly, but we feel like Atlanta has left a lot of things on the table the last couple of years and, you know, they regrouped, but we'll, yeah, we'll see what's going to happen in 2020 with them. Yeah, let's start with the Falcons because uh, they're a team, I think we both had them in the playoffs last year. Maybe it just would have been me. I don't at remember. Least but... me. Well, yeah. then, then there you go. We both did because I know I did. <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, that was our, our predictions going into the season. We both had the Falcons in because we just thought that, you know, they were going to be better, the injury situation, but still, you know, it seems like they got hit with injuries again. Um, they had just other stuff that they just could not put it all together. And that leads us to our question based around their big offseason uh, acquisition, or at least one of them, uh, and that is, will Atlanta get the old Todd Gurley or the 2019 version? Now, we ask this question because the Falcons' running game um, has certainly been up and down, and I think that was something where, and I, Dylan, you're going to talk about this stat, but their offensive stats, you know, as bad as their defense was, and that's really been the one side of the ball we focus on with them and said, my goodness, they have to get a lot better there. Their offense really wasn't great last year, mm-hmm. and I think one part of that is the fact that their running game is just something that has to get better. They have to find more consistency there, and again, they go out, they sign Todd Gurley. Uh, what they hope for is, uh, you know, the old Todd Gurley, uh, but uh, like we are saying in this question, if they get the 2019 version of Todd Gurley, I don't know what it means for the offense, and quite frankly, I don't know what it means for the Falcons when it comes to trying to get back to the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be a problem if they, if they get the guy that we saw last year. I know it's partially related to the, the Rams' offensive line really taking a pretty significant step back from 2017 and 18, where they were one of the top five units in the NFL. And, you know, the Falcons' offensive line isn't going to really make you think, wow, this is an elite unit so uh, it's it's hard to think that you'll get back to those some of those numbers you spent up with the rams uh those for those couple seasons there when they were making the postseason but you still expect him uh, you're still hopeful i'm sure that he's going to get back somewhat to that level uh, on an individual level obviously you're going to be limited by some of the things on their team but they still should have a better passing game that's one thing that yeah i was surprised looking back at the numbers i knew the defense was pretty atrocious especially the secondary but um, for their offense to finish 15th as a whole in DVOA is just not going to get it done, uh, given their talent on defense. And what you know, this isn't the defense that at times was really dominating when they made that Super Bowl run. Um, it's clearly you know on the the back quarter or so, back third of the NFL. And whether it can take a step up was definitely a question that we do have and have uh, pondered. But you know, the offense is where it, they're not going to go anywhere if their offense stays in the middle of the pack. And it's just got to be so disappointing when you think about, you know, the, when Matt Ryan won his MVP with Kyle Shanahan on the offense and all the players they had. And now, you know, some of, some of those guys are gone. They've they plugged in some new guys. Obviously they add Hayden Hurst in addition to Gurley yeah. too on the offense. So, uh, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't, but beyond Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, like that was another need I thought they might address in the draft. They, you know, did not until they have a couple guys they signed. Um, after the draft but you know having LeCron 
Laquan Treadwell is your number three receiver at yeah. this point is not the most encouraging thing. So that that's part of the consideration for me. But a, a lot of those concerns about the receiving corps beyond the top two are going to go away if Todd Gurley can at least somewhat replicate uh, what he's able to do before. They, they, it's just, I mean, Devontae Freeman wasn't the guy he was. Uh, but previously, for the last couple seasons, any fantasy owner would know that, that there's an inability to stay on the field. And there's some bright moments uh, from Eno Smith, but overall, they just have a, that that factor back can really make a huge difference for them and for Matt Ryan as well as a quarterback that you know can be elite with all the right circumstances. And I think that element would at least push us closer to maybe you know if Todd Gurley can really be regain that level of dominance, at least push us to a point where we think maybe the Falcons can get in, slip in for that seven seed. I, I don't know if I want to keep having my heart broken by them by <laughs> continually believing in them. But at least, you know, you could see it a little more. The schedule, though, I know we'll touch on that. The schedule does not really work out that well for Atlanta. And it's just, I feel like that it feels like something that we say every year because they just kind of, they kind of are good enough to not finish last in the division. So then they get to how the schedule ends up breaking down. They end up always facing pretty good uh, opponents in the two games that are off of the uh, set division matchups they have. Yeah, that's the problem. If we had to pick our, our playoff predictions right now, I'd have a hard time putting the Falcons in yeah. because. If you look at four of their first six games, and I'm looking at it here, uh, four of their first six games are going to be against the Seahawks at home. That opens up the season in week one. After that, uh, of the first six, they're going to have road games against the Cowboys, the Packers, and the Vikings. And that's not good because, you know, the home games in the middle of that, they've got the Bears and the Panthers, which, you know, two winnable games probably. Uh, But having to go on the road, play the Cowboys, the Packers, and the Vikings within the first six games of the season and have to play the Seahawks at home, not easy. And then you go to the back part of their schedule. Their their last, I mean, their last, well, I guess you could say, we'll just focus on their last five games. We have to remember, this doesn't even include a trip of going to New Orleans to play the Saints uh, on on November 22nd. But their last five games, they're going to host the Saints. They play at the Chargers. That's pretty nice. But then they get the Buccaneers at the Chiefs at the Bucks. So, I mean, you have to play the Bucks twice in the last three weeks of the season. And again, we're thinking that the Bucks are a team that are going to make the playoffs. And then you got to go play the defending champions in the middle of that. So, it is not an easy schedule, and that's what we're saying. I mean, it's it's not just about the defense having to be better, but that offense mm-hmm. has to be better to be able to keep up with some of these teams that, that we're looking at on their schedule and saying, man, some of these teams can really score. And, you know, if the defense yeah. hasn't gotten much better <laughs> and the offense doesn't improve, then that doesn't add up to probably being a very successful season. Yeah, the one need they definitely did address is drafting A.J. Terrell to play corner. And, you know, some some pundits have said it was a reach. I will see. Uh, I mean, uh, there were times at Clemson where he – looked great but you know beyond just the just uh, for us on the surface level there are some concerns about how it'll translate immediately at the nfl level so it's not like this is just a plug-in fix the whole defense kind of situation here i mean marlon davidson also can make a difference i think for them along the line but beyond that i yeah that you kind of touched on the beginning of the podcast how this used to be you know one you know there's depth in the division but it was kind of like one dominant team that we you know, we're always we're going to assume the Saints are going to win. And I still, at this point, as we've kind of touched on before, we still probably would pick the Saints at this point to win the division. But yeah, you add in that those two games against the Buccaneers that significantly become tougher with what we're, we're looking at here with them and how they've, you know, retooled, obviously, an offense, which we'll talk about. But their defense wasn't that bad. Uh, so you have that combination. And yeah, those those four, you know, four of the last eight games having to face those teams. And then you mentioned the, the trip to the Chiefs. It's just a really tough schedule and a lot of really good passing offenses, great quarterbacks they're going to be facing that 
it becomes really tough. And going even to our question, like the, I think there were reports how they hadn't, they really don't know a ton about Tiger's knee, at least uh, when they signed him. Like there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, because of coronavirus, they weren't able to really look at it as in depth as they might have liked to, and they still took a chance on him. So there's there's so many concerns across the board, but I think the schedule thing, and uh, it's it's kind of if you remember the week 17. Uh, game where they it was Jameis's last pass as a Buccaneer and as a pick six for the Falcons to win seemed like a nice moment and Falcons fans you know probably enjoyed getting that win to end the year but that is the difference between them facing uh, what the Buccaneers have to face the Rams and Giants that uh, on the flip side because of that victory the Falcons have to face the Seahawks and Cowboys as you mentioned in the first two games of the year while the Seahawks and Rams the difference between those two teams might be not be as dramatic the Cowboys and Giants I mean you're talking about a team that we think can at least be, you know, should be, should if they live up to their potential win their division, but also has a chance to be a Super Bowl contender. And then the Giants, which are so far from that. So even those, just those little differences and those little factors that, you know, it seems like every year the Falcons just win enough games, their schedule remains tough. And yeah, right now, based off last year's results, it's the tied for the fifth toughest. It's not going to be easy for Atlanta to go anywhere unless, you know, they answer our question, but also get some significant upgrades in terms of the performance of their defense. Yeah. So what we're saying is the Falcons need to be better on offense <laughs> and on defense. And guess what? So do the and Carolina lightning. Panthers. Yes. I mean, it's just uh, like, there's a lot of things and that's why we start with these two teams in this division, of course, starting with the Falcons and now moving to the Panthers because the Panthers have a lot that they have to, to get better at. And we know that there's a new coaching staff in place. Matt rules there now. Um, you know, they brought in Joe Brady as the offensive wizard. Uh, we worked his magic at LSU, helped him win a national championship. Of course, Joe Burrow was there. That helped, too. Uh, but now it's a situation where the Panthers have to be better on defense, and we talked all about that last season. That was something that used to be a staple for them. Uh, it's not, you know, wasn't there last season for sure, and uh, that's something that's going to have to get better, too. But we know all eyes are going to be on Teddy Bridgewater, and that's why the question is, will Teddy Bridgewater – take advantage of this opportunity to solidify himself as an NFL starter. Now, we ask that because we know he stepped in last year for the Saints and played pretty well, but mm -hmm. these, these are different teams. The Saints uh, are a team that's probably going to be competing for a Super Bowl. Um, the Panthers are a team that is not going to be competing for a Super Bowl. Uh, so it's a completely different situation <laughs> and a completely different system, not one that's been in place for a while. Like, you know, you've had Sean Payton there in New Orleans forever. Mm -hmm. um, you got a new head coach here. You've got Teddy Bridgewater entering a new system. It's much different. And I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, when you look at the, the Panthers offense as a whole. Yes, you have Christian McCaffrey. You've got some of these potential guys that can break out at wide receiver. Receiver, We've talked about him before. I mean, look at DJ Moore, of course, uh, Curtis Samuel, although there's been trade talks and all that, rumors and everything with him. Uh, so you don't mm -hmm. exactly know where this Panthers offense maybe is going to stand week one. What we do know is that they brought in Teddy Bridgewater to be the quarterback, and now it's just a matter of seeing if he's going to be able to do that and put them in a position to win a lot of games doing so. Yeah, it's hard to expect the same kind of performance when you go from – I mean, I, I know his numbers with the Saints weren't really predicated on throwing – down the field a lot there's a lot of uh, you know using the short passing game throws Alvin Kamara and just overall if you looked at the the average uh, yard per target it was just so low when he was in there but it was effective and they they made it really work around him in theory you like to think that maybe Matt Rule and, and Joe Brady can replicate some sort of uh, t performance like the you know Rams maybe with Sean McVay or some sort of guy that kind of came in in that first year and has had a system that really worked and you know utilized his, uh, his players uh, talents and 
I think, to, I mean, it's a great opportunity for Teddy, but yeah, it's going to be, it's not going to be easy going from, you know, that, that Saints offense, which year in and year out, even, you know, as much as it's a part of, you know, a great credit to Drew Brees, they, they also have a great system and a, uh, one of the best offensive coaches and yeah. the NFL and Sean Payton. So you're going from that to, yeah, a team that finished 31st in DVOA passing the ball. I know that's not just because of the players they have uh, around the quarterback, but be often because of the quarterback play, as much as there were moments early in the year where it looked like Kyle Allen was uh, possibly going to be an answer, that quickly became a, a definitive no as the year went on. And uh, it's not going to help also that, uh, as we've talked about, they, they drafted the first team in the Super Bowl era to spend every draft pick on a defend, defensive <laughs> player, which they needed to do because they were one of the, I mean, they were the worst run defense, uh, at least in DVOA per game. Their secondary wasn't terrible, but nonetheless, I mean, that was more of a product, I think, of their secondary benefiting from the fact they just kept having running plays on them. They're always losing, uh, especially in the second half of the year after having a decent start. So um, all that combined, I, I mean, they do add Robbie Anderson. So, you know, I think he's a solid player, but I'm, he's not really a difference maker. But that's really the only, like, significant, when you look at the roster, significant addition um, on offense that and so from there I mean you still have Christian McCaffrey and um, I mean they're still gonna I still think it's gonna be an upgrade uh, from Teddy from the from the previous QBs they've had but can they I don't know, I don't know if it's reasonable to expect them to just have like an incredible year I think you have to set the expectations at a reasonable level and I don't think they're gonna finish 31st and off uh, passing DVOA again um, but I, I just don't know they're very much rebuilding so unless yeah unless we see something miraculous or again where Matt Rule and and Joe Brady replicate some sort of Sean McVay offense that immediately takes over. I think it's going to be more about a progression, and I think it's re- it's it'll be it would be unfair to Teddy to expect you know the same kind of level of <laughs> at least victories in the you know getting uh, in the win column as often as he did with the Saints, winning all those games when he filled in for Breeze. I don't think that's the best way to look at it. I think just if he can you know prove himself as uh, at least a starting like it was like our question was basically can he take advantage of this and show you know going back to his vikings days where it was very clearly it seemed like he was going to be the qb for the vikings for for many years yep. and then obviously he's gone through so many teams now and bet on himself by not signing with miami a year ago and staying with the saints and obviously that worked out well now he has his chance it's probably a better situation than miami was last year so <laughs> what can he do with it and what can the coaches do around him i think that'll be, play a big factor in what we see from teddy this year yeah road games for the panthers at the bucks chargers falcons saints chiefs vikings packers redskins oh, so God. not great until maybe hey, that the, trip, though. yeah i was gonna say that redskins <laughs> trip that may absolutely mean nothing in terms of uh i guess that's week 16 um hey that could be a fun one uh but yeah their their road games uh, road slate's pretty brutal uh, for this team i guess maybe the chargers or the falcons you could try to pick up one there two there maybe but uh the rest mm-hmm. gonna be hard to get uh and then their home schedule not exactly easy either uh with some of the games of course they'll play the saints uh, the bucks and, and all that so yeah um not not a great schedule for a team that's trying to rebuild and revamp everything basically but uh that is what the panthers <laughs> are going to be trying to do, but uh, you don't have to revamp and rebuild. Uh, you can just win money because you can do it with our friends at Bet Online. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Uh, NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. Uh, plus, you can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7, or you can participate in the $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge which is a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for absolutely free. 
and live right now on Bet Online's YouTube channel. We talked about this great interview. Uh, you will find that exclusive interview with ex Chicago Bulls stars Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they are calling the final dance. So be sure to check that out on Bet Online's YouTube channel. For everything else, just visit uh, betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, BLUEWIRE, to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action they have going on. That is Bet Online, your online wagering solution. All right, let's get to the Saints. Um, before, I guess, we dive into uh, our question on the Saints, it's not going to be about, you know, are the Saints going to be able to be, um, I guess, uh, on the same page throughout the season? Because, quite frankly, Dylan, I think there's going to be enough questions about that. You and I were sort of, uh, you know, throwing some things back and forth before we started the episode. And, and I said, you just know, if we come out in week one and the Saints lose to, you know, they lose to whoever in week one. I think it's, they play the Bucks. Yeah, they play the Bucks in week one. If they come out and lose this game at home and Tom Brady and, and company come in and beat them, somebody drops a pass, uh, you know, a pass goes errant, something like that, we know what the questions are going to be uh, about, you know, pertaining to Drew Brees. But we're not going to go there. But I guess real quickly before we do our question on them, I mean, is this just something? I mean, they've had a team meeting. We know the fallout of everything from what Drew Brees has said. Michael Thomas came out. He was the mm-hmm. one that sort of helped uh, put together the video, the, the excellent video that they did with all the players around the NFL. It seems since then the Saints have had a team meeting. Everything, you know, everybody's saying the right things. It seems like everybody's on the same page here. I mean, I don't know. Like, But we do expect there to be lots of coverage about this, and we do expect there to be a lot more storylines about this probably heading into the season. Yeah, I think narratively, like you said, uh, every little thing is going to be dissected, uh, not just the, the play on the field. And if, yeah, if they lose the game, obviously, uh, week one to Tampa Bay by a significant margin or any margin, people are going to make a lot of it. But even just the little, the way that they interact on the sideline, you, I, I know for a fact Fox or whatever channel, mostly Fox and obviously the NFC games is going to yeah. be right. Anytime there's an interception or some weird thing happens, they're going to be glued into the sideline. So every little thing that's said and you know tweeted, whatever, yeah, it's going to be dissected quite a bit. So they will have to deal with that uh, factor. But I, yeah, I don't think, uh, like, I mean, we kind of touched on it when it all kind of came out before one of our podcasts last week and. With, a, uh, with Sean Payton and, uh, and you know, obviously Breeze's time and how well, you know, established within the franchise he is, you figured they'd figure it out. And, like, it, they did have that meeting scheduled, I guess, just by chance, the same night of that whole thing. And they kind of hashed a lot of things out. Alvin Kamara had a good post where he talked a lot about his experiences um, as an African-American, but also just t- touched on the, you know, the stuff with Breeze at the end and, how he was disappointed with him, but he had a real talk. And it sound I mean, it really does sound like the guys that talk to him and they're in the locker with him uh, feel comfortable with where they're at now um, and feel like he's, you know, listened and uh, taken everything they said to heart. So you think that, you know, we're still also months from the season. Um, you think that over the time, uh, over that the course of that meeting and as things get back together where they're able to actually see each other regularly um, with practices and everything, uh, you, you feel like it's not going to end up internally having the biggest impact, but, and, and even from an external point of view, like, I don't know in three months if the narrative around it's going to be at the same, same rate it is right now in terms of uh, Breezer's relationship. So it could, it could considerably die down, but I, I do think there'll be some outside external effect on the team because of it. 
Yeah, it's uh, going to be interesting, I guess, when it comes to to seeing how uh, that plays out. But as we know, I mean, it's it's something that has happened, and uh, we do think that maybe uh, going to be something that will actually maybe you know be something that the Saints uh, can can lean on in terms of chemistry moving forward, uh, being able to talk about this kind of stuff because we know these are talks that are happening in NFL locker rooms, you know, all around, you know, the league. And I think it's something that uh, we'll see. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how it's covered, I guess, moving forward, uh, but also how uh, the Saints adjust to it and all that. But uh, that leads us into our question for the Saints, because uh, if they're going to be on the same page, uh, they're going to need to be if they want to try to win a Super Bowl. But that's our question is, can the Saints exercise their playoff demons? Uh, As we know, Dylan, the Saints uh, have been a team that have won a lot of games over the years. Uh, but uh, they are still, you know, in a spot where I think you look around and there are people who think that they, you know, should be in a situation where they've had a chance to maybe not only win more championships, but compete for more championships, get to the Super Bowl more often uh, because they have had Mm -hmm. Drew Brees. You know, they've had this incredible offense. Their defense has been really good. uh, And now it's a matter of can they put it all together uh, to be able to get back to a Super Bowl, have a chance to win another Super Bowl, uh, because as we know, it's been a little while since they've been able to do that. Yeah, I mean, we you think about all their heartbreaking playoff uh, defeats from the past few years. I mean, all three of the last, you know, losing overtime last year to Minnesota, probably somehow, the, you know, after such a great season being 13-3 and three and really feeling like, you know, they should have had a bye, just didn't work out for them to get one. I mean, as much as you think that would be so heartbreaking to lose in the first round after a season where you really had a caliber of a number one seed to get knocked out like that at home, you'd think that would be the most heartbreaking. But given how they lost to the Rams and given how they lost to the Minneapolis Miracle, it's not even it's, – it's the third it's, – it's easily the least uh, painful, I feel like, for yeah. Saints fans, which is insane <laughs> to think about. And then you go – yeah, I mean, just overall over the last – over the Breeze-Sean Payton era, I mean, beyond – obviously they win the Super Bowl in 2009, but they you combine the – those three years, and then also the the really the catch two was they, they called it right with Vernon Davis's touchdown for, uh, to beat the Saints in this divisional round in one of the best NFL playoff games I've ever watched. I mean, they've been part of some classic games in that year too, thirteen and three, another year where they uh, had a great record and ended up having to play in the wild card round before uh, a road game in the divisional round. They've just the, the luck of their draw just hasn't been uh, great. I mean, for a team, they do have that one ring under the belt, but it's kind of when you think about like the Packers, Rodgers era again, you you really think they should have at least a couple couple Super Bowls with the talent they've assembled and yep. the, the regular seasons they've had. It just hasn't worked out that way. And so, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about all the, the things we could have had a question about at this point, but I, you, you feel like, you know, they really haven't had that much of a, you know, turnover of the roster. Yeah, they do add Cesar Ruiz. and You figure he'll play an important part of their offensive line. They get Emmanuel Sanders, which I think will have a great impact on their receiving corps, which has been so dependent on Michael Thomas being such a huge uh, factor for them. But then on defense, I mean, it's not maybe the best defense, but a solid unit that is definitely capable of being a top 10 defense. I think they just finished just outside the top 10, yeah, 11th in DVOA last season. So, I mean, they have the pieces again. Everything's in place. They have the continuity. Everything's there. So it's, you don't really have too many questions about what we're going to see in the regular season. Maybe we could have tied it into Tampa Bay in terms of will they, you know, keep their streak of, three straight division titles intact um, with a finally a real legitimate threat. But I think uh, I still believe they have, they're just, they're too good to really be too concerned about what's going to happen in the regular season. So yeah, once you get to the playoffs, I mean, it's, it's a brutal system. It is what it is, but that's what makes it so exciting. It all it takes is one loss uh, for a team. And uh, yeah, I, you know, can they, at certain points, I mean, especially last year, I didn't think 
the Minneapolis miracle affected them in 2018 in terms of that playoff run and how they played against the Rams. Mm -hmm. But there were certain moments, I feel like, in that maybe it wasn't even from the team itself, but the energy of the Superdome during that uh, last year's wildcard loss to the Vikings just felt worried. Like it felt kind of like me as a Dodger fan going to game fives of, you know, NLDSs where you're just like, are we going to blow it again? Like same kind of just nervousness (laughs) of what's happening. And uh, yeah, I feel like it's going to, the regular season is still obviously so important and I still think there's, uh, it's worth noting what's going to happen there. But I, for the, the question for me, it, it turns to I'm already like fast forwarding to the postseason. <laughs> Here they are at the Superdome. Maybe it's a divisional round, but like, can they just get through it? And uh, yeah, I, I mean, they have the talent to do it. So it's it's just more of getting hot at the right time at this point. Um, so we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, and we talked about schedules with the previous two teams. When you look at the Saints' schedule, like, I mean, they're. They're already the, the number two seed or the number one seed in my eyes. Like I'm looking at the schedule right yeah. now and I'm thinking this is a this is a fine schedule because you know we talked about these other teams and we kept saying at Green Bay, you know, at um, Minnesota, at Kansas City. Well, guess what? The Saints get all three of those teams at home and they get the 49ers at home. Um, you know, you look at their road games compared to some of these others at the Raiders, at the Lions, at the Bears. At the Bucks, at the Broncos, at the Falcons, at the Panthers, and they've got at the Eagles in there too. So like that compared to some of these others, and, and realistically, mm-hmm. I think aside you take the games against the Bucks out of it, I think realistically, you know, all their toughest games are all at home in terms of looking at that Packers game, uh, the Forty ers game, the Chiefs, the Vikings. Like yeah. they get mm-hmm. so many of their tough games at home. And so, I mean, again, now look, we've said this before. We don't know what this season's going to look like. Now, we don't know if the Superdome's exactly going to be, you know, as rowdy as it usually is. And our, our bet would be that it's probably not going to be uh, full capacity at this point. But that is still mm-hmm. something worth noting here uh, if we're trying to look at this in terms of a regular, normal season. Although we don't think it's going to be, but still, uh, it is something that's worth noting when you try to compare, you know, how far the Saints could possibly go. But like you said, they could go 16-0 and in the regular season, but uh, it's all about <laughs> trying to do it in the playoffs. And uh, so we will see uh, if they're able to stay on track and turn that into playoff success and get to the Super Bowl uh, for the first time in a while. So we'll see uh, if it happens there for this New Orleans team. And, of course, we wrap up. With the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, you know, we know every, it's well-documented what their offseason has looked like. Tom Brady, Gronk, uh, they've got the offensive weapons, and why be boring, right? Why go to defense here? Let's just talk about the <laughs> offense. That's what everybody wants to talk about. Our question for the Bucks is, can the Tom Brady-led offense meet its insanely high expectations? It's a good question because... I think we have to remember, you know, this is not Tom Brady of, of even five years ago, uh, 10 years ago. It's it's not the same. It is different, but I think, Dylan, this is where we're really going to find out. Last season, it was all about, okay, Tom Brady doesn't have any weapons to work with. Uh, as good as he is, there's no way this Patriots team's going to be able to win a Super Bowl when you try to compare them against the Chiefs, the Ravens, mm-hmm. teams like that. But now this is where we find out because he has the weapons. His He has a loaded offensive roster here when we talk about having Gronk back. Uh, we don't know exactly how he's going to perform, of course. But, I mean, I would be venture to say that he's still going to be a very, very good player and an impact player for the offense. Um, and then, of course, you've got Mike Evans. You've got Chris Godwin. You've got O.J. Howard. You've got, like, they've just got so many different options Mm-hmm. that's where I think the running game comes into it. Ronald Jones, uh, we saw him kind of take a step forward last season. 
Um, and if that happens, if the defense can continue to get better under Todd Bowles, I mean, look, there's it's it's not. I don't think mm-hmm. it's not just Tom Brady. Obviously, him he adds a lot to it. But I think we were already going to look at the Bucks as an improved team if they got improved play at quarterback. But now, you know, you look at everything they brought in. You look at how much they improved and what their defense could be. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's easy to understand why this team has all these high expectations at this point. Yeah, the concerns that you might see elsewhere, we haven't really talked too much about their defense being a problem. And, you know, you'll see uh, if you look at just like rate stats and the total amount of yards they're giving up, they were 30th in terms of pass, passing yards given up last season, but they were 12th in DVOA. So looking between the lines, I mean, they were playing in these really insane high-scoring games where they kept having to go back in the field with all the turnovers. I just don't think that's going to be the case, even if Tom doesn't have a typical, you know, New England uh, Patriots Tom Brady season. I don't think he's going to be throwing 30 interceptions. Uh, so, yeah, for the defensive side, we mentioned it before, they finished first in uh, DVOA against the run. They have a solid unit. I, I, I think Anthony Winfield is a great addition there. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, if they can just uh, you know hold it down, still be – I mean, I don't know if they finished top five in DVOA again as a unit uh, like they did a year ago. But even if they just hold it down, I mean, the expectations all fall on the offense. And wh- while they do have high expectations themselves – uh, I do think the, the high expectations go a bit further in the, the media and the fans and what we're expecting or, and what people are expecting overall. So, I, I mean, yes, like you mentioned, they obviously adding Tom Brady and Gronk's very significant. And having Gronk, you know, even if he's on a pitch count, they obviously with Cameron Bray and O.J. Howard are going to be completely fine managing that. I think uh, underrated and you, you, some places you'll see it be mentioned as a decent steal for them too was Tyler Johnson, another Minnesota product, a receiver that uh, how he will complement Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, what they do. I mean, it just makes them so dangerous. They already have addressed their offensive line. I think Tristan works. It worked out perfectly for them where he fell in the draft. So everything's in place. And so it might, you know, as much as we say it's, it's coming down to um, the offense as a whole, it might, I mean, at a certain point when you look at the weapons in the offensive line and Bruce Arians and the coaching staff, it, it's, it's partially, and it's not something that we have ever doubted on, on this podcast. And most people uh, that have ever doubted, Tom Brady of uh, it's backfired, but you know, he is getting up there and every year it's another year. So if he, I mean, if he's not not able to meet his expectations, that could play a role. I think he's going to be as motivated. Just, I mean, he's always insanely motivated beyond even professional athletes, which who are all motivated to get where they are, but Brady's on just a different level. I think you combine that with going to a new system, how it's going to be all opened up and some of his frustrations with how some of the things that happened in New England over the last couple of years, uh, I, I expect him to be on top of his game. And while they might not meet the expectations that some people are expecting to be like the number one offense in the NFL, I think they're going to take a significant jump up. And uh, yeah, another weapon, I think that, you know, I'm talking to all these guys they add. I'm really excited to see uh, their other, uh, one of their other draft picks, Keyshawn Vaughn, as you mentioned, from Vanderbilt. Yep. Um, what he's able to do in terms of kind of a James White-esque role, which Bruce Arians talked about wanting to add. So, just another weapon. We, running back is one position where I, I know they were kind of connected to Todd Gurley's in the option. I think that worked out quite well for them to get Keyshawn Vaughn and just it's just everything's there. It's so it's not like these these expectations are just unfounded. Like you know they, they are insanely high from the outside and um, overall, but there's there's a reason for it. They they, they have the potential to be something special. And I'm, I no matter what happens as an outside outsider, not a you know a fan of the team, 
I'm just really excited to see how it all plays out. They're going to be one of the intriguing teams to follow all season for sure. Yeah, and a lot of people are going to be watching them because they're going to be playing a lot of primetime games. Um, so you're going to have no shortage of opportunities uh, if you don't have the, the game pass and all that, um, the red zone and all that. I mean, it's just kind of, look, it's it's one of those where you're going to see the Bucks on, on primetime a lot. They've got the ESPN games. They've got the NBC games. Um, you know, they, and again, they could even get flexed into some of those late in the season. So, um, there, there's a lot of opportunity to watch this team and, uh, the, the bucks, they have another schedule. We look, talk about the saints bucks schedule seems to set up pretty nicely too. Uh, when you compare it to, to the other two teams in the division with the Falcons mm-hmm. and the Panthers. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting, man. I tell you, it's, um, I don't know. I, I tend to think, you know, we're still going to be looking at the Saints maybe as that team, uh, you know, aside from, like we said, all the potential uh, storylines surrounding them. I, I think it's I think they're probably still the best overall team from top to bottom. Yeah. But it is going to be interesting to see how far the Bucks can come on defense and how quickly everything comes together on offense, which when you put all those weapons together, uh, you would assume that it's going to come together pretty quickly. And we'll see if the Bucks uh, are not only a team that can to contend for the division, uh, but also potentially uh, contend for a Super Bowl. We'll see what happens there with them. But uh, Dylan, that'll wrap it up here uh, with our look at the uh, NFC South. And as we teased earlier, that leaves just one left the AFC oh, South, yeah. and we will get out our uh, our streamers and balloons and um, <laughs> all kinds of stuff because we always like to make sure we have fun when it comes to the AFC South. Uh, but until we do that, uh, we've got a lot of great stuff going on over Clutch Points, so be sure to let everybody know where they can find all of that great stuff. Yeah, you can go to clutchpoints.com to the NFL tab at the top there. All of our written content, still a lot of things happening, more news now, uh, but also just projecting some of these seasons for these younger players and how these offenses will come together. So we've got that all covered there, as well as on the app in the uh, some kind of new updates there coming out where the sections are a little more dynamic in terms of not just all of our articles, but also some of the social element. So definitely, uh, you know, if you don't have the Clutch Points app, download that, follow your favorite teams, and uh, beyond just our articles, which I recommend you read, but also just a good experience for fans overall of every team. Yeah, is it is it time to draft fantasy football teams yet? I know everyone's just uh, I, I'm just itching. <laughs> I'm ready to start drafting teams, but we'll have some fantasy football stuff for you guys here uh, in the future as well. Of course, I'm always going to turn things back to fantasy football. Uh, looking forward to the uh, the Clutch Points League here uh, once again. I would like to to try to make the championship, but uh, we'll see. So uh, very competitive league last year, but uh, we'll see uh, once we dive into it here this offseason but like you said check out all the stuff going on over clutch points lots of great work going on over there and be sure to subscribe to the podcast any podcast app you use just search for it and uh, thanks as always to the fine folks at blue wire and bet online for all that they do and thank you guys as always for listening and we'll talk to you guys next time here on the establish the past podcast